I said something very, uh, something innocuous to my wife this morning, but then I, uh, the, her response was way too excitable. I said to her, I'm gonna preach short this morning. She said, yes, good. I was like, wow. I was like, wow. I said, wow, okay. So just because of that, I'm gonna preach for an hour. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It will be quick. But um, I, I recently turned 35 this year, and uh, something happens. Yeah. I don't know why you're applauding, but thank you. Just, just stayed alive. But... Um, but when I turn 35, it just feels like something's happened. I've, I've, like, I just, I'm starting to pick up weight. Just, I'm like, where I, it was never impossible. I'm like, people are like, whoa, you're picking up weight. I'm like, have you been working out? I'm like, no, I'm just eating and I'm 35. Just amazing. <laughs> just incredible. And uh, I know, uh, yeah, anyway, leave it at that. But, but also something happened is that I, I've literally become my dad. Just like overnight, I just feel like I'm, I'm Rowan Phillips uh, in the flesh. It's just, it's crazy because now we'll be watching a movie and I will not make it through 20 minutes without falling asleep. It is my wife's pet peeve. She elbows, come on, you said we're gonna watch together. I'm here, I'm here. And, and if she turns it off, I'm like, I was watching that, you know, but uh, half asleep. But um, something really struck me as I, in, over the last few months, as I started to get into bed, I thought, you know, I wanna start a new habit, I wanna read. Some, I know millennials, you don't know what that thing is, reading. It's a habit people used to do in the old days before cell phones, they'll open a book, just amazing. Try it one day, it's incredible. But uh, I started to read, and, uh, but the, this thing would plague me is that I'll start to read, and I'll make it to paragraph two, and I'll start to nod off. You know that feeling when you're just fighting that sleep? Like, no, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I've got to read, I've really got to read. Now, I'm an intellectual, that's what I do. Reading again, and I'm reading the book, and I'm going, where's Wally, where's Wally? No, that's not the book I'm reading, sorry. <laughs> but I'm reading, I'm reading the book, and, and, I, and I just can't make it through, and, I, and, I, and the, what happened was this pattern, I'd fall asleep, and the book would fall off, and I, and, and I'll get to the next night, so I've got to pick up, and I remember, oh, the same page, find the same page, start again at the top, because I can't remember what I've read, and I'll get down to paragraph two, and I'll fall asleep again, and this became the, this was better than a sleeping pill, it was just, you put myself to sleep by picking up a book, and I'll fall asleep without even making any progress, and as I'll do this, I started to realize that actually, I, I'd, I'd, for about a week, I'd read the same book, but not made any progress, I hadn't even lift over the page. I did not know what was coming next, but I could tell you ad nauseum what is on that one page. But anyway, it got me thinking, and that's what I want to put as a deposit in our hearts today, is that actually, I believe that actually a lot of our lives can be lulled into that sort of rhythm, that sort of motion where we feel like we're reading from the same script again and again. It feels like we're stuck in the same cycles and we're unable to turn the page. We're unable to move forward. We're stuck in the same cycles of relational dysfunction. It's like one, one relationship to the next to the next and you wonder, going, it's literally copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste and it's the same thing and I, as much as I try, I just can't move forward. We feel like we are stuck reading uh, the same page of the depression spiral, the same, stuck in the same habitual sin, stuck in the same negative critical ways of thinking but I, and it feels like we're not able to make progress. I wanna encourage you today with this phrase, turn the page because I believe this is a divine wake up call for a sleeping church. For a church to wake up and know that there's more to the story. So with that as an encouragement, I'd love you to turn to your neighbor and in the most annoying voice, to wake them up out of their slumber, tell them, turn the page. Come on. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's pray briefly and then we will preach for a little bit and then go have some great food together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your people. Now as faith starts to stir in our hearts, I thank you, Jesus, that this becomes more than just a religious moment. This becomes a divine access point 
where heaven meets earth and destinies are changed forever. I lay my own heart on the altar. I say, God, would you awaken me? Where I've fallen asleep, where I've become apathetic to what you've called me to, I thank you, Father God, that you'll remind me that there's more chapters to come. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Simplicity as simple goes, the Bible is split up in two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament has 39 books, the New has 27. The last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. And Malachi ends with these, uh, these words that says that he is gonna turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. And in a sense, it's a promise from the prophet that a Messiah is coming. Just wait, he will be there and he will not delay, wait. But then what happens is from that book, Malachi, to the very next page, Matthew, that one page in between, this little blank page in my Bible that just indicates that gap, that page is 400 years. So from the end of Malachi, this anticipation that there's a Savior coming, a Messiah coming, to the very next page is 400 years of what they call the intertestimony, intertestim, the in-between times. <laughs> like I said, I'm an intellectual, people. I'm, a, I'm an intellectual. But this, this time, they call them the silent years. In a sense, there was no new divine uh, writing. There was new, no new, new divine uh, words from heaven for the people. There was no new ad- adding of what God was saying. It was just business as usual. The people waited for Messiah, but they weren't able to walk into it. And in a sense, they lived in for 400 years, this, this night after night, perpetual falling asleep at the wheel, unable to turn the page to God being who was far off, suddenly coming in the flesh. And this is an incredible reality. People say that they felt that God had stopped speaking. My rebuttal would be, maybe God hadn't stopped speaking, the people had just stopped listening. And this is my encouragement to us today. Maybe it feels like God has gone quiet on you. Maybe you've prayed the same prayers night after night, and it feels like there's radio silence. The prayer's hitting the ceiling. And there's no answer coming. I want to tell you, and as an encouragement today, the most, in the most simple and graphic way I can, turn the page. Turn the page. This is the reality. As we turn the page, the first word from God to humanity. Humanity have been in this uh, perpetual waiting room for 400 years, night after night, going off the same old, same old, knowing God far off but did not know God near. The angel Gabriel, my name's Gabriel, by the way. It's good to see you. <laughs> arrives on the scene. And he says, fear not, for God is with you. You shall name him Emmanuel, God who put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And this was a reality that just the religious elite could never grapple with. To this day, they live with eyes blinkered. They cannot see that the God that they worshiped would be the God that drew near. Because they could not turn the page. And I want to tell you, if you think God is silent on you, no, 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 God is declaring today from the parapet of heaven, I am with you. Turn the page. Turn the page. Secondly, if we keep reading in Scripture, we go or flip all the way to the end of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We get to the very end of this narrative. And the end of the narrative of John finishes with a crescendo on a day called Good Friday where Jesus dies on the cross. And up to this moment, the disciples have felt that their life has, they've been stepped into a, a story of living color as they've seen miracles upon miracles. They've seen blind eyes open. They've seen uh, deaf ears open. The lame are walking. Dead are rising. This is, it feels like their lives are just moving at a rapid pace. And they're so excited, they are asking Jesus, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? 
They, they, they are front and center. They know this is about to happen. They said, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can I sit on your left? And another one says, can I sit on your right? And they're all jostling for position. And they feel like they've got the golden ticket to the, the, the best show in town. Jesus is on the move. But then Jesus dies on the cross. And it's just, it seems for their, their natural minds that this doesn't go according to script. And it's so, so crazy for us that the devastation of Friday gives way to the disappointment of Saturday. And something that has always got me uh, so intrigued is this reality of what did the disciples do on Saturday? Three years of up close personal discipleship with Jesus, hearing from the teacher, not a teacher, they're hearing from the word himself. Every other teacher had a word. This was the word. They were, they were mingling with God himself, God who had put in flesh. They'd seen him, and they had no excuse for, for understanding. He was explicit that he was going to die. They knew it, but when they saw it happen, they were devastated. There was disappointment on Saturday. The thing the disciples do on day one after Jesus died is they're so confused, says they went back fishing. To back to what they knew back to the same old, same old, back to where they'd been for many years before Jesus came and turned their story upside down. Literally rewind and let's go back to the page that we know, that we know, that we know. This is where we go. And as I was thinking about this this week, it reminded me of the reality of our hearts that we are all prone to a default setting. Going back to what we first knew, going back to the, the, the place of our own comfort, our own ability to control and, and hold it together when we're under pressure. And uh, I tell the story um, ad nauseum, but I, I remember my, my teenage years going to youth on a Friday. The first song that I would sing, I would sing, and I'd sing at the back row because I was feeling so ashamed to be there and singing these words because I was struggling with a secret pornography addiction. So when I'm singing the words, I'm going, what I'm singing does not resonate with what's in my heart. Song two would come, and I feel like, okay, God, I'm gonna give it a go this, this week. This week, this is the week. I'm never gonna do it again. By song three, I'm right at the front singing, and I'll stand with arms high and hearted. I'm going for Jesus. Song four, I'm signing up to be a missionary to China. I'm like, this is the week that I'm gonna overcome this. I'll never do that again. And then Saturday would come, and the default was set in, and I was back to the start. It felt like a, a, a game of snakes and ladders. Just every week, going, making a little bit more steps, and back to the beginning. Do, do not pass, go. Do not collect 200 rand. I'm mixing my games right now, but you're with me. But I think that a lot of us are just like the disciples. That actually, we make big statements, I'll follow you, Jesus, but it feels like a snakes and ladders back to start. And we look back at our lives, we're going, I'm still on the same page. I'm still going to the same defaults. But I wanna remind you today, my encouragement is simple again. I believe Jesus wants to declare to you and I today, turn the page. Turn the page that the story doesn't end on Friday. There's resurrection on the other side of that. And this is the reminder for me is that Christianity is not a call to die for God. Christianity is the call that God died for you. It's not a, a call to try harder this week. It's a call to submit to the one who's died for you. God says, I'm not just with you. I'm also a God who's for you. I'm a God who's alongside of you, a God who wants to empower you in your default, a God who wants to lift you out of that stumble, stumbling block. I wanna lift you out of that cycle into the more that I have for you. God declares again, turn the page. Thirdly, as we turn the page, literally and metaphorically, we get to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts starts with Jesus saying to his disciples, trying to navigate this new journey of turning the pages, and he says, I'm actually leaving. 
To which uh, the original language, they respond, Haibo. <laughs> I, I think my Greek is correct there, but they're so shocked because how, how are we gonna do this without you? He says, no, I'm gonna send another. I'm gonna send you someone just like me, the very spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who will come upon you and it's better that I go. He'll lead you into all truth. And then they're going, okay, this is exciting. You're gonna send another. We're really ready for this. And Jesus he says, give us the instructions. When is this transition happening? Tell us, Jesus. And Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem until the gift comes upon you. Oh, I must be honest, as a dad of two toddlers, six and four, the worst word in their vocabulary is wait. They just don't understand. If I'm honest, it's the worst word for me as well. I think it feels like if you've ever been in a waiting room, I went to renew my driver's license and I'm waiting there, waiting in the queue. And I'm waiting outside, waiting, as I've told, which is the queue for those people who are renewing the license? This queue. I stand there and I think, wow, I got here early. I feel we're gonna wait till the office opens and then the office opens at eight o'clock and then guess what happens? People just, other people start streaming past me, going in, bypassing the queue, going to the front. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. My sense of justice rises up. I'm like, that's not fair. And, I, and I, I started to wonder as I stand there for minute after minute goes by and it slowly ekes over to the hour mark. I'm going, hey, this queue's not moving, but those people just seem to duck in. What do they have that I don't? And I think it's with that reality that we actually start to live our Christianity often like that. We see other lives, people's lives move forward. Other people celebrating births when we've been praying and struggling and to fall pregnant. And we're going, what do they have that I don't? When we have been praying for that promotion, but it feels like everyone else and, uh, and their dog is getting a promotion, but we're not. It feels like everyone else is getting into a relationship, but I'm not. It seems like everyone else is experiencing breakthrough, but I'm not. That waiting room is the hardest place to be when we're waiting for God to move on our behalf because we often say, what, 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 have, I, what have they got that I don't? Missed out on opportunities, life passing you by. I wanna encourage you today, turn the page. Turn the page, because from Acts 1 to Acts 2, as you turn that page, that single page in my Bible, as everything changes from that moment, that they trust God and say, I'm gonna wait, but I'm not gonna receive all that you've promised, things change. Fourthly and finally, for time's sake today, all the way to the end, we get to the last book in the Bible. The last book is the letters land with the last letter from Jude. Before that is one, two, and three, John, and then we get into the, the heavy book, Revelation. And I want to tell you, the author of the book of Revelation was a man named John, the apostle, the one that Jesus loved. And this man was a man who the people hated so much. The religious elite, the, the, the Roman elites of the day, the political elites hated John. They tried to kill him, but it seemed like he refused to die. So church history tells us they tried to boil him in a vat of oil in front of 80,000 people in the Colosseum. And after he'd been boiled in oil, John gets up and picks up the vat of oil and turns it upside down, stands on it and uses it as a pulpit to preach to the masses. So he gets so frustrated with this guy that they actually take him and they put him on an isolated island called Patmos where they said, we wanna leave him alone, we will have no more influence. And if I think about this reality, as if I'm John at this moment, all the letters I've been, I've been working, but it feels like all the letters I've been writing all the time I've preached, it feels like persecution, persecution, persecution. I'm making no real headway. And now all of my obedience and faithfulness has left me alone on an island. And this is how the book of Revelation starts. The book of Revelation, which is the word revelation means uh, is the apocalyptic book. It means apocalypsis. And it's not actually about the end of the world. It's more about the word apocalypsis in the original language means the unveiling. 
the unveiling. And if you want to know what Revelation is about, is it about Russia, Hamas, Israel, Gog and Magog? I don't know. You might be right. I think I know less about it now than I did when I first got saved. But what I am convinced about is verse one says this, as you turn the page from Jude and all the writings that are written to a persecuted church, you write to the book, in the book of Revelation, it says this, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. This is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That actually this is the reminder for us is that when you get to a wedding day, and you, you're waiting and you're craning your, your neck to see your spouse come down and you see her coming down with a veil. You, you, you know it's your wife by her walk, but then you're waiting to see that moment when she's unveiled and your eyes can see. It's not that you couldn't see. It's just now you can see clearly, distinctly, without doubt that that is who she is. I think this is what I'm getting at here, is I think when we get caught in moments and we get stuck in situations of the sickness that plagues our family, and keeps us on the same meds, on the same cycle, the same pain and anxiety, week in and week out, and we don't see any change. We get stuck in the same pain, the same hardship, the deep hurt, maybe even legitimate hurt, grievances from relationships, and you feel like, but I've been obedient, but, and how did this all happen? God, how did it happen? We can get stuck on that page. Let me tell you and encourage you, turn the page, and try not lose your Bible at the same time. But as you turn the page from persecution, John turns the page from persecution, what he turns to is not justification in his heart, he turns to revelation of Jesus. And when you see Jesus unveiled, as you turn the page and say, it's not my pain that I want to see, I want to see him, it makes all the difference. Here is a reminder for us. At Bethlehem, as they turn the page, we see that God reveals himself as a God with us. At Calvary, as we turn the page, we see a God who says, I'm a God for you. At Pentecost, we see, as we turn the page, a God who says, I'm a God in you. And when we get to Patmos and we turn the page, we see a God who says, I'm over you. This is the reality we remind ourselves as we turn the page. I wanna keep reminding us, turn the page, God still speaks and he wants you to hear him. Turn the page, God still saves. Your pattern of sin is not too far gone for him to redeem. Turn the page, God still sends. He wants to use you. Yes, you disqualified you who's been sitting on the shelf for too long. God says, I wanna pour my spirit into you because I've not given up on you. I still send people. And ultimately, we turn the page, we still see that God still stands. No matter what trial you're facing, no matter the divorce papers that are pushed across towards you, no matter about the complications at work, no matter what the doctor says, let me tell you, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Turn the page and say, I see you. Who stands over it all. He still speaks. He still saves. He still sends. He still stands strong. Can we stand to our feet? I want to pray for us as a family today. Turn the page. I believe this is the divine wake-up call. Every morning at 6.05, my wife's phone just starts to go off. The alarm is set. And it goes off without, without abandon, just waking us all up. And it's the most infuriating noise in the world, waking us from our slumber, ripped out of that, 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 that lulled space. But let me tell you, that is what the Word of God does. The Word of God comes and it wakes us from our slumber. It may be irritating, it may be frustrating, but right now it's calling us to say, church, do not be asleep at the wheel. Church, do not be asleep at, at, at the same page and saying, this is my lot in life. He's saying, I have given you authority. Turn the page. And see that I'm a God for you. 
I'm a God with you. I'm a God in you. I'm a God over you. I believe this is a narrative for people who need to take a stand in their families. So actually, I want to turn the page on the family narrative. I want to take a stand and I'm going to turn the page on, on, my, on my, my, my situation at work. I'm going to turn the page on, on the situation in my heart, the critical space that I'm in. I'm going to turn the page, not because I have all the answers, not because I know for sure what the next page says, but I believe God says everything up to this moment has been a comma suggesting there's more. We say that again and again. Don't put a full stop where God says that's just a comma. God says, I've got more. Will you turn the page? Can we lift our hands if you're comfortable? This is a sign of surrender to God and I wanna pray a blessing over us. A turn the page blessing. There will be a people who turn the page from our shame, from our sin, from our secrets, from our sorrows and turn the page to a God who speaks. Turn the page to a God who saves. Turn the page to a God who sends. Turn the page to a God who is still strong stands over us. Father, I pray for your church right now. I thank you, Jesus. Today, are you, would you pour courage into every single heart? Would you pour courage for a new season to every heart? I call new seasons to come alive in Jesus' name, where, where the enemy has said, this is, this is your lot, and held us in captivity, held us in the waiting room, held us on the side. I thank you, Jesus, right now. I pray prophetically, awaken your church. Arise and shine for your time has come. Wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, for Christ shall shine upon you. I thank you right now for an unveiling of Jesus, an unveiling where we have looked at Him through a a veil dimly lit. I pray, God, open our eyes so we may see Him clearly. We would know Him clearly. We would follow Him clearly with abandon. So Jesus, I pray right now, would you awaken your church so we can turn the page the more to the story that you have for us. With every eye closed in this room as we land If you're here today and you say, I've wandered far from God, but today it feels like it's a day, a turn the page kind of day for me. And I wanna put my trust in Jesus again. I wanna put my trust in Jesus for the first time. I've been trusting my own strength, my own resources, my own promises, my own snakes and ladders journey has just left me exhausted. But today I wanna say, I trust you, Jesus. Not a God who demands die for me, but a God who says, I died for you. If that's you, I love you with no one else looking around except all of heaven. But if that's you, just lift your hand as high as you can. It's a form of surrender. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, I thank you for fresh surrender. I thank you for fresh salvation. I thank you for fresh ears to hear your voice calling to more of you, to a future with you, Jesus. We right now, as we lift our hands, it's a form of repentance saying, I am sorry for trusting my own resources. I am sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin. I now turn to you, Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, as there's a turning to you, it feels like the divine author is turning the page and saying, the old is gone, the new has come. It's a new chapter, a new day, new mornings, new mercies. I thank you, Father God, for this fresh spirit of surrender in this family, that you're doing something profound with us, that you're, you're doing business with us, baptisms, Families dedicating babies, saying, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Couples celebrating 10 years of marriage, but freshly saying, thank you, Jesus, that the best is still to come. I thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in our family. I thank you, Father, what you're doing in our future. We declare our trust and our dependence upon you. I pray over you. May the Lord bless you, church.
May the Lord keep you. May the Lord grant His face to shine upon you. May He give you peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.